and Kailithe Kumalo caught up with some people and has more on this. A highly concerning situation to watch from South Africa. Ethiopians living here say they are hoping a resolution can be found to end the ongoing violence in their home country. The Ethiopian community has thrown its weight behind Prime Minister Abe Ahmed. Addis Ababa and the Tigray People's Liberation Front have been at loggerheads for more than a year, which has resulted in more than 900,000 people facing food insecurity, instability and displacement. Humanitarian aid has also been blocked in the northern region of the country, which is controlled by TPLF. Belay Dane lives in Ferenichang and has been following the developments of his homeland with concern. The, the situation is bad now, uh, right now. Uh, there is what in fighting each other, uh, but is, there is something behind uh, the fighting, and then that's why current issue, like I'm not saying is good for in the country, there is a bad. Dr. Abi, they try to many times, they send like uh, athlete, highly, Gabrasullah, say, oh, uh, peace ministers, and many things. They send the mothers, many elders, but the TPLF, you know, like is normally like a gangster TPLF, so oh, you don't accept for the peace for TPLF. On Monday, The United Nations Security Council held a special meeting calling for the cessation of hostilities. The government has also declared six months of state emergency. The AU is asking the Ethiopian government and TPLF to engage in political dialogue without any preconditions. Meanwhile, Addis Ababa has condemned what it calls for an interference in the conflict, blaming Western countries and some media houses for having selfish agenda. I'm Kylie Kumalo in Johannesburg. So to get a little bit more on this situation in Ethiopia, we join on the line now by the Deputy Director in the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch, Leticia Bada in Italy, in Rome. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon and thanks for speaking to us, Leticia. Thank you very much for having me on. So we understand you've just launched a report uh, which documents how the Ethiopian government's uh, blocking of aid in the Tigray region actually harms a lot of people, including rape survivors. Please tell us more about the report. Yeah, so we we basically look at the serious health and mental health impacts of widespread acts of sexual violence which took place in Ethiopia's Tigray region, um, including HIV, Titus, fistula, unwanted pregnancies. But the report also touches on how one year after the conflict began, many survivors, and we're talking about survivors from the age of six to the age of 80, still do not have access to sufficient emergency care. Um, And and so the report really looks at the obstacles which um, service providers are facing to be able to provide this urgent care. And one of the key problems right now are the ongoing restrictions by the federal government on basic services in Tigray. There is still no electricity. Um, There is very little cash which is able to enter the region. So what does that mean? I mean, for example, people who are trying to document confidential um, interviews with survivors, they have no electricity, so they have to take hand notes. Um, It also means there is very little fuel. So how do you even reach a lot of the survivors in urban areas, for example? So and, and, and one of the key 
angles of this report as well was looking at how the deliberate attacks on healthcare facilities in the first nine months of the conflict really has continued to basically devastate and, and influence the, the inability really of both the, the community at the local level, but also international humanitarian actors to really provide this, this urgent assistance. And of course, uh, this assistance has been a subject of discussion at the United Nations level as well, Letitia. Uh, but have things improved in uh, the medium term, you know, since you've actually uh, gotten all of this information and compiled the report? Not at all. And I, I would say, I mean, just in, in, in the last few weeks, I mean, despite the fact that there is increasing high level pressure, as you mentioned, at the level of the AU, at the level of the UN, there have been some very high level visits just in the last week. And yet um, humanitarian actors on the ground are actually warning that access is getting worse. I mean, I think it's important to highlight that some food, a trickle of food was getting into the region that has slowed, but medication has not been getting into the region for, for, for a very long time. So, so obviously that the context on the ground, which was already dire back in June when, when access in, in certain ways was better, has only deteriorated further um, in the last few months. And from what you're hearing on the ground, Letitia, is there anything that can be done other than, you know, uh, the routes that are being used at the moment? Or is this a situation that now will need intervention from outside? I mean, it's absolutely key for the international community to continue to exert significant pressure. I mean, we are one year into this conflict. We have continued to see serious abuses from, from all warring parties. I mean, as we speak, we, uh, the Tigrayan forces have also moved out of Tigray, and we are continuing to investigate reports of, of serious abuses also by the Tigrayan forces outside. And, and, and more generally, I think it's important to highlight that the, the space in which humanitarian actors are working is, is particularly difficult right now, not only because of access, but also because of very worrying rhetoric at the highest levels against humanitarian agencies, etc. And that obviously influences their ability from a security point of view to, to operate in, in most of northern Ethiopia. Um, and I think you touched on the state of emergency that was passed last week. I mean, we are very concerned about how in many ways the state of emergency legitimizes practices we have been seeing since the beginning of the conflict around ethnic profiling, arbitrary arrests and enforced disappearances of Tigrayans in the capital Addis, but in other parts of the country. But the state of emergency could also have a very chilling impact on journalists and on humanitarian agencies at a time where, you know, their work is just so essential. And just a final question, Letitia. So watching and listening to all of this from afar, uh, one doesn't quite get a sense that, you know, the fall of Addis, for example, is imminent. But we've been hearing about uh, troops building up uh, Tigrayan troops outside of the capital. What are you hearing? 
I mean, obviously, hearing very similar reports, and, and, and this is why, I mean, this is a moment where obviously communities in, in Addis and, and throughout the affected um, areas of, of the country are, are very scared. And this is why it is absolutely essential that all the warring parties are both stopping attacks on civilians, are allowing unfettered access for humanitarian actors, but it's also essential for the federal government to make sure that rhetoric and comments and actions at the highest level are not resulting in incitement to violence among communities as well. This is an incredibly difficult moment and it is absolutely the government's responsibility but also the responsibility of all, all of the, the warring parties to make sure they are not contributing to ongoing abuses. Leticia Bader, thanks so much for your time. A Deputy Director in the Africa Division at Human Rights Watch speaking to us from Rome in Italy.